You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You're listening to Inside Real Estate, your source for all things mortgage and real estate related. The show that brings you all the hottest topics and insights directly from those who know it most. Now sit back and enjoy the show. What's up, everyone? Paul Apostolakis, Brad Weisger. We even have Chad Reilly in the house. This is the whole Omega crew. Today's a very, actually a very, very special episode. It is, and I didn't announce Sal as a host because Sal Vitor Kuzmano is our guest. Is actually just B is the guest. Oh. <laughs> He's our guest. So, Sal, just to give everybody uh, some background, Salvatore is literally one of the best loan officers in the country. Not because I think so, only because I, I do think so, because he's really, really good. But his numbers actually speak to it. Yeah. He's like ranked like top 100 in the country. He's won multiple awards. He's top 10 in the state. Uh, he's closed over $3 million in volume over the last two months. He's closed almost $4 million this month. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, he is he is a top-tier loan officer. Uh, we really couldn't do what we do without him because he is a wealth of knowledge more so than anything. He just knows his stuff at a really high level. As much as I think I know my stuff, this kid just eclipsed me, and, I, and I've been in it for a lot, much longer than him. So I'm really excited to have you on, Sal. How are you? Thanks. I don't know if you guys have ever said anything so nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. there you <laughs> that, go. That's just how we kick it off. Yeah, yeah, it'll get it'll get dirtier. <laughs> um, so, uh, just to, to frame the show today, today we're actually going to talk mortgages. We don't spend a lot of time talking specifically about mortgages because we don't, you know, we, we're more a real estate show. We deal with a lot of real estate agents, so we try to like uh, uh, highlight our agents and our and the market really as a whole. But with the market with where it's at right now, something interesting has happened. Rates have gone down dramatically. I mean, we're talking, we're locking people in at 4%, 3.99. Like we're back to really, really low rates. And I think it's a very poignant time going into the spring that we should be talking about how to structure your mortgage correctly more than anything because it's a big part of what you're doing. I will say that I'm usually right about what's going to happen in the market. This is one instance where I was wrong. I did not expect rates to be this low. I did not expect it. I don't think anybody in the market expected this to happen right now. Right? No, so, I don't think anyone could have foreseen that. You know, I mean, yeah. a few months ago, it's like, hey, man, we're going to now's six. the time to buy. Now's the time to buy. Get in while it's low. Get in while it's low. And then rates dropped half a point, right? Crazy. And they're probably like, man, I make a mistake. But no, they're still, you still got a good deal. It's just right now, it's crazy. It's stupid. And you can low. refi. And you can refi. And we'll talk yeah. about, and we're going to talk about that. So, yeah, I mean, what I think is going to happen this spring, the, the, I already thought the spring market was going to be hot just due to what was happening in the market. And I did a, did a thing yesterday on this. We are basically pouring lighter fluid and gasoline on an already hot market with rates where they're at. People that weren't going to move because they didn't want to lose their low rate. Let's say they were at 3.8 or 3.5 or 4%. Like, why would I move now? They're like, well, I can move now. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to lose that rate. It, it just entices people to make moves right now. Yeah. It was as, as cheap as money is. So what I want to get into is I want to get into three different things. I want to talk talk about if you're a new buyer, what to look out for. If you had purchased a house six months ago, eight months ago, how and what to do about getting a refinance. And then I also want to talk about what we foresee going forward. So uh, Sal, uh, the, the show is yours. So we're going to start with right now we're seeing a lot of refinances, mm-hmm. a ton of them. And we're reaching out to a lot of our past clients. We're really mostly a purchase transaction business. But within that, we've fallen into a situation where someone that locked in at 4.6 or 4.8, you know, six, seven, eight months ago, 
Now it's like, well, we can give you four and a quarter and do it at, at no cost. So we're reaching to a lot, out to a lot of people. So kind of talk to the audience. How do you structure? Because it, it only makes sense if you can do it at no cost a lot of times. Right. So talk to the audience how you're structuring these deals right now. Well, the reality is, is there are costs, right? Always costs. There's there's costs. And the more as a client you pay out of your own pocket for those costs, the lower rate you can get. Right. So let's say rates were five percent and now they're four. Okay. Right, right. Four being if you pay all the own costs out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're at five, you could drop down to let's say four and a quarter and we'll pay your costs. We'll cover all your costs. Yeah, we'll right. cover your costs because there's more credit from the lenders essentially that we get that we can pass on. Also, just so everybody knows, on these loans, because we're a lender, we 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 carry our own funds, right? Right, right. And you always remind me of this, Brad, because yeah. you hate just yeah. saying that we're a broker. We, we, are, we get better pricing and more credits on the secondary market from back in well, the And we're allowed to pass on in what a broker would necessarily have to pocket, right? We can pass that on to the client to make the deal worth it. Exactly. Let me explain that. So as a broker, you are required to make X amount on your compensation. As a lender, you can you can create smaller margins to make deals work where we're okay making less because, hey, we're doing the loan for free. It's all easy. We've done it before. A lot of times right now, by the way, we're getting a lot of PIWs, right, which are property inspection waivers. We don't even have to do an appraisal. Right. These things are closing in like five, ten days, right? That's pretty nuts. Yeah. How's it going, man? I'm, I'm pretty good down yeah. here. Yeah, all right. <laughs> okay. So uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So so like, but, but here's another trick, right? Yeah. Because there are some costs. You know, there's per diem costs, and a lot of times, let's say you owe a hundred thousand on your deal, your new loan might be one hundred one or one hundred two, or you might bring a bring a payment to closing. But explain why that makes sense. Well, you know, again, it just really really depends on what you're looking at and the rate that you can get by bringing a little bit of cost, mm-hmm. right? Like, let's say, hey. I want to bring zero to the table. Okay, we can cover all your costs, but that includes typically <coughs> an escrow account, you know, mm-hmm. which really isn't a cost. No, right? it's you know, your escrow is our taxes yeah. and insurance. So let's say you went with Bank of America and now you're going to come with us, right? Mm-hmm. You have to establish a new escrow account to pay for your taxes and insurance. Well, that's not really a cost because after you close on the new loan, Correct. you get a refund in the mail from your old escrow account. So if you have Two grand in your old escrow account, and it's going to cost two grand to establish a new one. I typically say, "Hey, bring that to the table. Bring that to the table. Your current payment's two grand, anyways. We'll close April first. You won't have a payment until June first. Yeah, two weeks later, right? you'll get a check in the mail. Eh, whatever, three probably weeks, more like six, yeah. up to sixty yeah. days, four to six, four to six, yeah, four to six weeks. Whatever. So they'll All get right. the check I mean, in the yeah. mail, and it's a free refi. Uh, right, really a free refi. That's yeah. for, that's for the person that. Is really concerned about the balance that they owe, the loan amount going up at all. So that'll, yeah. that'll be able to. There's a million reasons to refi. Right. Right. And sometimes it's like, hey, man, you're at 4%, but you have almost half of your mortgage in 26.99% credit card debt. Right. And you happen to have a lot yes, of equity. Yes, right. Yes. So we're going to take you from 3.875 to 4.5, but you're going to free up. Six seven hundred dollars a month of minimum payments on your credit cards, not to mention eliminate that debt. Right. So why don't you take that six seven hundred dollars, add it to your payment that you've 
already been paying and in so three, four fast, years, yeah. you'll already be in a better spot. Barry Habib talks about this a lot. And we're, we're really debt managers when it comes to that point. What you have to do for the audience to understand this, if you took all your debt and you had maybe $25,000 in credit card debt at 11% interest, right? And your, and your, and your mortgage is at 4.25. If you add it all up, you're probably paying 4.3, 4. Like you can figure out what your actual effective interest rate on all, right. all your debt. But if you can minimize all that, pay, pay it all down quicker. It's just a better place to have your money is with a mortgage. If you can, do that. But to your point, though, there is a lot of reasons to refinance. And right now, I think people just ha- like the hardest thing that we have to get over sometimes is when I call these guys. Hey, man, we're going to do a free. Ref- What's the catch? I know, man. It sounds like there's there's no yeah. catch. There's no catch. You're ju- it's free, literally free money. And because you're not going backwards, like you know, like you you just did it eight months ago. You're not going back to like you know if you were four or five years into it, right. you'd, you'd look at doing a twenty four or twenty five year whatever mortgage. And you or- can do. Any term between yeah, any what term. is it eight and thirty years? So yeah. it's like okay, you can do a twenty-nine year mortgage if you don't want to start over, right? Yeah. Right. That, that's like yesterday. I was looking at one that we just closed like eight months ago, and we were able to drop their rate a quarter percent for free. They're going to bring a payment to closing, right? Yeah. So they're they're going to make a payment anyway. So why not just make that payment to closing to cover your escrows? Drop them a quarter percent, and they're on a twenty-nine year loan. So the, mm-hmm. they actually gained six months. Right. The payment goes down. Like. Uh-huh. It, how do you well, say the no? The reality to that? is, like you said, it's not like they're in the twenty fourth year or right. where it's or the fifth year of their mortgage, where it's like, all right, you're starting to get into that equity position, right? Where where when you make a payment, applying more to principal, more is going right. to principal. So, you know, the reality is, okay, it's been a few months, right? We started at four and a half, and we're dropping you to four on a five hundred thousand dollar loan. It's a lot right? of money. Yeah. Let's let's just do the the you know, it's it's yeah. it's a lot of money and your balance isn't going up and all you're bringing to the table is a payment or less and then you start your new loan, i just like to know how you lose. Yeah, right. you don't. And there is some sunk cost, I guess, in the interest they paid in those six months. But, but it's they, not really it, sunk cost because if you think about it, they're still a term on that. Right? Yeah. It's just I mean, like they have a 30.5 year mortgage. Look, you got to do the math. Again, no one's going to have their mortgage 30 years anyways. And if right. they do, if they do, they're going to end up saving. In that scenario, they're going to end up <laughs> yeah. saving six figures. I mean, right. but, the, but the bottom line, we're not going to put someone in a bad loan. We do the math and we make sure that it makes financial sense. We're not like that's the biggest thing. It's like even if you're saving fifty bucks a month, that's six hundred bucks a year. Yeah. Right. You know Always I mean? going to be a net tangible benefit. I mean, there has to be by law. Business, right? yeah. by law. A good question to ask is: Are you comfortable with your current payment? You know, well, yeah, it's fine. All right, let's do. What a if it went up a hundred bucks? You do a twenty-year loan, right? Right, because rates have dropped. Yeah, you can reamortize it. Yeah, I'll shape ten years off or nine and a half years off for a hundred bucks. It's a it's a savings account for a hundred bucks, and you pay less interest, so much less, like right. thousands of less interest, right? Or or you give them the flexibility. You, you say, you know, make the same payment you're making now, but your new payment's actually going to be a hundred bucks less. Make right. the same payment you make now. Stay stringent on that, unless you actually need to. You have the flexibility. Right. Well, if, if it gets extra, tight, you have extra money. Right? Twelve hundred, thirteen hundred, whatever towards the principal. Yeah. So I mean, just I, I guess the message. And I think, Sal, you, you, you said it perfectly. Like, you, you should definitely look at it right now. I mean, if you did your mortgage a year ago, six, even six months ago, you should, I mean, I wish I could refinance right now, and we'll, but I can't because we started our company like a year ago, and, and we'll right. talk about that because I want to talk about self-employed borrowers and why that's a, it's an issue a lot of times. Um, so definitely look into it. Call call your loan officer. Call call a good mortgage company. Generally, brokers have better rates right now. So you know, if you could go after a broker or, or a, a hybrid like us, like a, a, a independent. If your mortgage company hasn't reached out to you in the last month, 
Bro. There's something wrong. You need to call us. Everybody's reaching out. You know how many things I get in the mail? I'm just saying. Like, if they haven't reached out to you, there's I, a problem, and you should reach out to us, and we'll take care of you. Well, most won't you, if you yeah. close within the past six months. They don't right. want to redo so it. So there's right. a recapture period so in us. which Fannie Mae essentially charges right. lenders, banks, whatever, whatever commission was made. And it could be, hey, we made 2000 on this deal. But we give you an eight thousand dollar credit. We owe back ten thousand. We owe back ten. So the audience understands if if a if a deal that we wrote gets refinanced or sold within six months, is and that that could be that pays off. Hey, pays client off. Client got a new job. We're leaving. Yeah, right. We're going to Arizona. Anything. All right. Anything. We we still get charged back. We got to pay them back because they have performing note. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So there is there there are some stipulations, but people get recaptured all the time. You yeah, know I mean? it, it just, happens, it and it's it's inevitable, right? Mm-hmm. Like if someone was to call me, I'd say, yeah, let's. Let's do a refi if you want to do a refi, or you can wait thirty days and right. you know. Yeah, just if you're if you're within that six months, just make sure you call the people that actually did the loan for you because if they do it, then they can actually recoup. They could probably work the even. best deal for yeah, you. Yeah, because they, exactly. they're they're going to want to make sure you get taken care of. Right. Um, let me ask you this: Right now, there's a lot of like we deal with a lot of first time home buyers, mm-hmm. so, and, and we a lot of what we do is navigating the rules and regulations to make sure that we get people approved properly within the rules and regulations that we have. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to approve someone, and there's and you've got to be really smart sometimes to be able to do this stuff. One thing that I think is really interesting, and so I, I want you to talk about this, is the debt to income ratio that people can get away with on a mortgage. And how high that is compared to what people might think sometimes, yeah. you know, like it, it is kind of crazy that, that on an FHA loan, 55% of your pre-tax money can, can go to your debt, right. meaning that if you add up all your debt, uh, you know, your, 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 it's only things on your credit report, like credit cards, car loans, uh, student loans and stuff like that. And then you put in a mortgage on top of that. So let's say hypothetically someone's making $5,000 uh, a month sale. Before mm-hmm. taxes. Before taxes, obviously. Uh, what it, talk, to, talk to the audience about the calculation and how you look at that. So typically, right, I mean, I guess off the bat when I'm talking to someone, hey, you know, how are you paid? How much do you make? Blah, blah, blah. Eh, it's about 5000 a month gross. Okay. Well, that means that all in with your debt, um, that your other debt, and that's minimum monthly payments, and some, I always get, no, I don't have any debt. Okay. No, nobody has any debt ever. Do you have a car? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's leased. Okay. That's a okay. debt. That's a What's debt. payment? <laughs> 600 a month? Okay. Yeah. Great. It's a nice car. So at least in that situation, right, let's say their car payment was 600 bucks a month, that leaves us out of that 2500 $1,900 that could be allocated if they had no other debt towards, towards a house payment. So roughly speaking, that probably puts them out like a two hundred sixty thousand dollars home, almost like, depending on the taxes. We're, yeah, we're yeah. talking about actual debt on a credit report, credit cards, loans, things like that. Not utilities, not phone right. bill, not cable. So that's, and that's all on top right. of it. Fifty-five percent of your pre-tax income. It's pretty high. That's. And I mean, I guarantee if you look at most first-time home buyer spending habits, right? The yeah. the the debt that is spent on the or the money that's spent on the minimum payments on the credit report is probably half yeah. of what the rest of the income is. People can't save. It's yeah. kind of crazy, right? So okay, you make five thousand a month, right? And that covers your bills and you have an extra thousand left over after taxes, right? What are you not gonna live? Right, you got cable, you got utilities, you got we food. have that conversation all the time. It's, it's like, kind of crazy. Hey, at yeah. the end of the month you got $150 that you can put in your savings account. Right. But and I mean, a lot of blow t- it at a bar. A lot of times, though, the, it's a couple and only one of them's on the loan. So there's more income in the household, yeah. right? So, well, I w- to me, right? And I, 
I didn't make the rules, nor can I. Um, I wish that could be factored in. And you can on a yeah. VA loan, for example, right. like if you can show that the spouse is making X, that can be factored into some re uh, residual income calculations, things of right. that sort. But ultimately, you know, it's pretty black and white as far as the rules go. Yep. You know, hey, hubby makes 200 grand a year, but his credit's crap, right? Well, you make 40 and they're trying to buy a $300,000 house. No go. Sorry. Sorry. Right. So how many calls do you get from buyers that are like, uh, hey, man, I want to buy a house. Uh, I've got really good credit. Um, I got a good job. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, how much do you have saved? Uh, I don't really have a lot saved. A lot. I got nothing. A ton. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, probably nine out of 10 calls, I would guess. No, it's not that high. Well, it's, it's a lot, no. I feel like. You know, yeah, you never know, life, right? Too, yeah. uh, it all really depends on everyone's situation. And I would say that that's just a, a problem of our, our generation is the ability to save. And not because, well, one, because it's so easy to buy stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's Everyone around you is, miles. you know, yeah. buying things on Amazon, this and that. The price of education, the price of cars. I mean, <laughs> cars are crazy. You know, yeah. 50 grand for a new car and it's like a, you know, not even top of the line pickup truck. Yeah. Right. It's like, okay. Yeah. Cars make, have gotten expensive. Right. Then. And yeah. most people who are buying those <clears throat> trucks don't even make that in a year. Right. Right. right? The rule of thumb probably before was like, you, you shouldn't buy a car that costs, you know. More than like. More right. than a third of your income. Right? Yeah. right. Now it's like, well, for the most part, everyone's buying cars that are probably at or above. Yeah. You know, I make sixty k a year. You, you're driving a forty five thousand dollar car, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's you know, so it's nice. Is nice that? Things. But it's it's, it's to difficult to save money uh, in this. So what do you talk? What do you say to that person? Okay, luckily, <laughs> right for a first time home buyer, you really don't need to have too much. You know, three percent is all you need. Three percent, not even and, that in some cases. Yeah, yeah just depending, right? USDA. So uh, ultimately, for us, it's like okay. How much, you know, I got two grand or so and you want to buy a $150,000 house. All right. Perfect. Well, again, you need about $4,500 for your down payment, which is 3%. And depending on the deal, and it's going to be harder in a market where there's a lot of multiple offers, but if you find the right house, the seller can chip in 4500 bucks. Take a little bit of a higher rate, whatever, we'll give you a credit. Mm -hmm. And it's a done deal. You're in for forty five hundred bucks, yeah. which isn't too bad to get into a house. If you can't scrape that up, you should probably contemplate doing that. Right. But ultimately, if you wanted to rent a house, you're going to scrape up close exactly. to that anyways. You know, security deposit first plus month's first rent. month's yeah. rent. It's crazy. And so, uh, and the other and the other side of it is you actually own a property that's going to appreciate. That's how right. people build wealth is <clears> buying <throat> houses. I just did a deal. So just so the audience understands, when you're talking about cash to close on a house, it's not just your down payment. Right. Right. You're going to have basically- I a, would say- if you're putting minimum down 3%, uh -huh. right? Have 6 or 7% total. Total. Yeah. Right? Because that will yeah. cover basically everything. Depending on the loan size. And yeah. again, you might yeah. be able to get concessions, you know, have the seller chip in, whatever. But if you're serious about buying a house. But you got to know the number and then work your way backwards yeah, from that, right? right? The number is this, guys, just so everybody understands. It's your down payment. You've got a year's worth of taxes because you've got to set up your escrow account and you've got to pay prorations back to the seller, roughly. It's just a rough number. Well, the most difficult Can thing. I finish? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just finishing the going. Going My show. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, though. So, so basically, it's a year's worth of taxes. You've got a year's worth of homeowner's insurance. You've got to pay that up front. So that's, you know, $1,000, yeah. 1200 bucks. And then you've got about $2,500 in closing yeah. costs, right? So you got to add all that together and work your way, yourself right. backwards from that. That's typically, right? Well, how much are closing costs? 
Okay, how much are the taxes? Four grand, thirty-eight hundred. Okay, thirty-eight hundred thousand for insurance, twenty-five hundred there. Add another five hundred. You're looking at eight grand, right? Well, that's including the year of taxes, right. usually, yeah, right? Yeah, Between yeah. your and a lot of people, that's probably the most common asked question that I get. Yeah, why am I paying a, a year of taxes up front, and I'm putting money in my and escrow. a year of insurance, and then paying it monthly, right? Yeah, so because it feels like you're double paying, it, right? right? I, I'm double paying it. I already paid for a year, and now I'm paying it again. Well, the reality is, is when you pay that, it's not going to the city, it's not going to the county for your taxes, it's not going to the insurance company. You're building up a savings account, right? So that in 12 months, because I mean, if you close today, March 28th, yeah, right? Wow, it's March. Hopefully, yep. Um, you're, right. wow. you're not making a payment until May 1st, right? You skip it, yeah. So in March 2020, you're going, yeah. Uh, March 2020, it's just crazy. Time machine, yeah. So if, March 2020, there's going to be another thousand dollars due, right? And you've only made 11 payments. Yeah, because because where, where we whatever, live, they're right? paid forward, right? So you like you pay your t- well. I'm just saying a good way to even think about it is just your insurance, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of the yeah, same way it works with everything. You got to pay else. for the year's yeah. premium at closing to make sure you're insured for that year, and then every month you're paying. Yeah, you're into adding it. into that savings account. So when it's time to renew, the lender can. The disperse difficult and thing pay to again. understand, I think, is the tax portion because there's two tax bills due uh-huh. unless right. you live in St. Clair Shores, where you have to pay into that account, and it's going to hit at any given time, yeah. right? If you close close enough, you actually just have to pay the bill. And and, and by the way, nationally, there's all different types of ways that people do their escrow accounts. Some, some are not paid in the – like there's just a lot of different ways. Yeah. So you just have to understand your, your market. I will tell you that the easiest way for me to explain it is, listen, if your taxes were coming due four months from now, you have to have enough money in that account to pay for it at four months from now. Well, you're not going to make a payment for two months. So essentially, you're, yeah. they're going to collect a, almost a whole year in your escrow account. Yep. Yes. Right? And then you're going to be prorated because the seller already pays them, like you said, uh-huh. in advance. You got to pay them back. From the time that they're not there. You have to make that up for those taxes mm-hmm. that they've already paid. You know, yeah. it's like a prorated rent. Yeah. yeah, and it's something that I always talk about to to clients is the question is, uh, Chad, always like, what are your closing costs? Well, listen, there's it's there's a there's a definition there that we've got to talk about because the closing cost, the cost to actually do business for the mortgage is about twenty title work, uh, appraisals, recording fees. Those are about twenty five, twenty eight hundred bucks, like somewhere in that range. Those are the actual costs, right? Depending on the area, but and again, they all change depending on the area. But there's other fees that you've got. You've got there's money you've got to come up with your taxes. That's those aren't costs. Those are things you're going to pay regardless. Your insurance. Those are things you're going to pay regardless. Per diem interest, interest that you're going to accrue per day until you have your first payment. Those are things you're going to accrue regardless, right? So it's hard to sometimes explain that to to the borrower and say these aren't actual costs. You'd get these are static across the board. What you what what borrowers a lot of time they're they're comparing like the overall cash to close. The problem that we have in our industry that we find is that LOs will short the numbers up front to make them look all sexy. But that is such a big disservice. We actually go the opposite. We just we fluff them, everything, yeah. right? Yeah, we make them but look when worse. When someone's comparing our loan estimate to someone else, man, why why is the cash yeah, close? Chase is like twenty five hundred dollars cheaper. Well, they're well, collecting yeah. one month for taxes you have a quarter of the year of taxes being collected up front. What do you think is going to happen when your tax bill is due in three months? Or Which, when you or when they mind you, I printed it out. Closing is twice as much as they're, they're collecting. Well, you, I don't. know. That's what he said. It is. I can, I can guarantee you it's right not now. going to be that. He's so, going to say something else. In a month. And sometimes people people do uh, say, well, you know what? I don't really care. I feel comfortable with the guy at Chase. All right, okay. bro. And then I usually get a call later yeah. and it's like, 
or I don't because they're too proud to call me, but I get it, whatever. Would you, uh, would you say that in, in our business, as, as black and white as we think, if people think it is a lot of times, <laughs> there's so much gray because we don't know exactly. I don't think there's a lot of truth in lending. <laughs> you know, there it is. And, and it's unfortunate that, that's, that that's uh, a, that's and a weird thing the, to say. Right? But all these these forms and everything else, all it's done is create a lot of ways to loophole around it and get it done. Right? Right. And unfortunately, when you have someone behind a computer filling in the numbers, that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. Right? Well, I want this to look good. Yeah. Because they, they, I don't want them to not use me. Yeah. Right? And then <laughs> that's how you burn your reputation. Burn. Right? It's what or you end up paying a ton to, to make it right at the end. Yeah. Right? Oh, well, you told me this, man. Okay, I'll give you a credit. And you made $300 on the loan, yeah. which and ruined your reputation at the same time. That's how we make our living. Look, so. at the end of the day, there hasn't been one deal that I've had in a long, long time where the cash to close didn't go down from when yeah. we initially estimated because we we purposely pad everything. We right. purposely do it. Unless something pops up that we didn't know about, we <clears> purposely <throat> add extra because I want to freak you out a little bit and make you feel better at well, the end. Right? You know, Under put promise, your, over deliver. Put yourself in, in those buyer shoes who have yeah, yeah. 4500 bucks right I and mean, they're buying their $150,000 home and they literally don't have any more money right and it's like well I got to make this work so there's no there's no reason to to do that even if someone's got 100 grand and they're putting down 3% right well it's it's money it's their money that they're yeah. spending you're spending their money for them essentially in their head right like we've Put away this much for that. So why would you set it up bad? But uh, not to go too off topic, but kind of to your point earlier, when when someone has a lot of money to put down, right, and it's all their money, like, hey, you know, I've got twenty grand, twenty five grand saved up that I've been saving up since I'm a kid mm-hmm. for my house. Mm-hmm. Okay, why would you put that all into the house? <laughs> right uh, for your down payment. They don't know any at four percent, right? Because they've been well, told that's, 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 that's exactly. the right thing to do. Twenty percent right? down. No, I don't want to. That's the responsible thing to do. Everyone wants to put down. People have been told forever. Good. Put yeah. Put everybody thinks they've got to put twenty percent down sometimes, yeah. right? But here's the thing: it makes sense to do five or ten, you know, to get a cheaper PMI rate or something yeah. like that. But ultimately, like, have money aside yeah. after you yeah. buy a house because that's Shit the happens. the cheapest part about buying the house. If you put minimum down, is that right? Yeah. Right, and right. then you're like, oh well. Got to get furniture. Look, if you've got $300,000 in the bank, if you have 300 Gs in the bank and you want to put 100 towards the house, fine. But if you have sure. 50 and you put all 50 in the house, I'm like, dude, let's do 25. Keep 25 in your pocket. That way, And the price of money is so cheap. The difference in payments, 50 bucks or, or, or what? No, yeah, 120, 120 bucks. bucks. But you have 25,000 in the bank. Right. right. How much would that 25,000 cost you if you put it on a credit card? Right. If they have to like go put put furniture on a car, keep the money in your pocket. The price of money is cheap, bro. Well, right? totally. especially to, you know, a house that's not already done up all the way. Well, you know, my parents said I should put 20% down, blah, blah, blah. It's like <clears throat> put the minimum and, you know, I could see that this house probably has some upside and put the other 17000 or whatever that your parents are going to give you into kitchen, tile, paint, whatever. And now you already have that 20% equity. You have 20% down. Your loan might not reflect it, but you can refi, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but You know, it's funny. What I, what I think, and this is just to talk about you and your business, part of the reason I think that you are successful, Sal, um, and that's a lot of things, but one of the things is you actually 
tell it how it is and you tell clients what they need to know, not what they want to hear. And that's a tough thing to do in our business because most people just want to tell you what you want to hear, right? Oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. No, you got to be prepared, dude. This is a big transaction. So Sal, I've heard Sal say, that's what it is, man. That's what it is. That's where it's at. And you can do whatever you want. You can go to Chase, whatever you want. You go to wherever it is. Ultimately, that's what it's going to be because those are static costs, right? Like you're just very upfront. and And I think that's part of the reason why you have success. Yeah. Well, I think you, you know, when someone's getting fed a line of bullshit, you kind of have to put that doubt in their head, right? Like, hey, you know, unless you're getting some type of credit, Mm -hmm. those are the costs. Yeah. Are you getting a credit? Uh, No. Yeah. Okay. That's wherever you go down to the penny. That's what it's going to be. Tax prorations, right? Mm -hmm. Your insurance. Escrows, I can't see really being different. Maybe a month or whatever, but again, that's not a cost. Right. The county, county's like, oh, you're going with Chase. Oh, your taxes are a thousand dollars less right. this year. And if my <laughs> escrows, happen. if no. my escrows are more, that means you'll probably won't get a letter in the mail. Right, right. right. For an escrow shortage, which is a whole another debacle. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's move on a little bit. Let's talk about the person that actually owns a property right now. Mm-hmm. They're they want to buy a new house. We're gonna get competitive, and non contingent offers are gonna be a premium again. Right. Mm-hmm. It's gonna give you a leverage. When what I mean when I mean by non contingent, where you are not contingent on the sale of your house. So if you're, if I'm living in a house right now and I want to buy this house and there's 15 offers, the offer that doesn't have a contingency saying that I have to sell my house to buy is going to win out on that. And I think that's we're, we're headed towards that again. Now, one thing, there used to be bridge loans. There's not really bridge loans anymore because let's say you can qualify with both, but you have all this equity in this other house. You want to use that equity for the new house. What I've brought up in the past, and I think we've all talked about, is doing a recast once you sell the house. Can you talk to the uh, audience about how that works and why that's an effective way to kind of get into the new house and then use the the capital that you get from the old house and readjust all the numbers? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for a conventional loan, right? Let's say you, again, you want to put your best foot forward as far as an offer goes. You want to put it non-contingent. You might even have your house for sale. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it may end up closing and you get your equity and you can put down the 20% or whatever you want to do up front. But if you can qualify, let's say with 3% and you have the other 20% or so in equity in your house, after you close, I think you have to make one payment. Um, you can take that equity. Let's say you've sold it 20 days after you, you closed on your new home. You could take that equity, contact the servicer. Wire the money over after they send you a little agreement and it will readjust the loan and recalculate the payments as if you put down the 20%. Correct. And the reality is right now as far as rates go, sometimes the rates are better if you put down 5%. Which is interesting. It's mm-hmm. the truth. Yeah, yeah there's like incentives crazy. to put less yes, down. Yes, it's, right? it's wild. So you might get 4.25, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to keep that four and a quarter. Generally in the past, you'd have to do a full refinance. Or, hey, listen, right. pay a little bit of a premium. And pay a buy little bit down. of points, right? Okay, buy it down. It costs you fifteen hundred bucks, but that's the reality of the position you're in. You don't have your house sold, and if you want this house and you want your rate, right, that might be what you have to do. Yeah. Or hold on and gamble the market and wait six months and do a refi. But right? a lot of people don't know about this. Real estate agents don't even yeah. know about this, and they, I think this is a good tool for agents to understand that. Look, we can get in, get you into a new house yeah. as long as you qualify. Well, yeah, it it really falls down on the education to the buyer, right? And making sure that they feel comfortable knowing that there's an option afterwards so they don't have this huge mortgage. I don't want that huge mortgage. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put 6000 down on this house, right? Yeah. The, the mortgage is huge. Yeah. We wanted a $100,000 mortgage. Right. Right. Okay. But there's an out. 
yeah, you're going to get your 90 grand and you can put it down after and we'll recalculate and got a small payment. My dad did that and he's got a hundred dollar mortgage payment. Really? Yeah. Wow. He paid cool. it down to like 20 grand or something. No it's way. Like, okay. All right. Yeah. So uh, it's doable. It's easy. It's not, you know, it takes a little bit of time. Loan officers crazy, don't even it's know worth about it. this. You can't, yeah. you can't do it over several months. So you can't like just pay an extra 10 grand a month for, for six months. That's not going to work. It's going to be a one-time large payment of at least 10,000. I think 10, you can 000. do it unlimited times within six-month <coughs> periods. No, but yeah. I'm saying you well, have to. Make, it's got to be a large every, right, payment. Twice a year. Like you can't well, just. I'm going to pay an extra five grand. Yeah. Ten G's or more. Six months to get it ten G's or more. Yeah. Um, and to your point, like I had someone say, "Well, what if I just put the lump sum payment and kept payment? They just wanted to keep their payment the same and just wanted to be more aggressive on sure. the payment. You could do go that ahead. too. But if you just pay extra on your mortgage, your payment doesn't go down on a, on a 30 year, 15 right. under typical mortgage. Still amortize over the original, right? So your payments right. stay the same. What happens is you're shaving years off the back end. But if you want to have that lower payment up front, you just do a recap. Cast, dude, and it's so easy. It's like seventy five bucks, I think it is, right? It, there, there is a fee to do it. There's an app. Depends yeah, on the service. Right? Yeah, but it's like what? Uh, call it two hundred bucks, even if it was two hundred bucks, which yeah. I don't think it is. It's such a good way. Look at it. Look at these fingers of fury over here. Look at just Sal's always <laughs> just fingers of fury, dude. Sal is always working, dude. Uh, it's impressive. So I also want to talk about so uh, going on the difficulty of a self employed borrower getting approved for a mortgage which is counterintuitive sometimes. Like for, for, I'll give you myself in as, as an example, Sal. I want to get a mortgage from you. I started my business uh, 11 months ago, right? I, I became self-employed 11 months ago. But before that, I was W-2 commission, which a commission has its own uh, structural issues that you've got to make sure you've got to be able to abide by. But you have to... Uh, there's different rules for self-employed borrowers. It doesn't matter how much money you're making if you're self-employed. If you've only got 11 months into the business... You're not getting a mortgage, a typical mortgage, right? Likely not, you right? know, depending on your ownership percentage and things like that. So, yeah, it's difficult, <coughs> you know, and things might be going great, but the reality is you're 11 months into your business. Yeah. Right? And nothing's guaranteed and it ain't You got to look at it, it like it's free. Fa- you know? Fannie Mae looks at the percentages of businesses that fail and it's like 50% of new businesses fail. They want to see a history of you doing well. And then on top of that, if you've been in the business for five years, but you write off everything. Your tax guy is like your net, your your uh, adjusted gross is like fourteen dollars, right? But dude, I made like a million bucks last year. Well, that's not what you paid the government, and that's what we got to go by, right? Yeah. I mean, again, we didn't make the rules, and there are options for self-employed people where you know they can analyze bank statements, things of that sort, to show the deposits. But in the end, you're going to probably end up paying a higher rate for sure, right? which. For sure. Uh, is difficult and it does suck, but you know if you're self-employed, I mean, kind of got to yeah. prove yourself. I mean, you can prove yourself to yourself before you buy a house, right? Right. I, and sometimes it sucks because it's like, well, I was W two, now I'm self-employed. I'm doing the same thing, yeah. right? Or, or I'm making immensely more money doing the same thing I was doing before. But and I even showed the income to qualify on my tax return, but it's only been a year right. or eleven yeah. months or whatever. Well, sorry. Yeah, but I think that's I mean, there's, such there's a, a case small to be on both market sides. of people, yeah. though, that yeah. we're just going to lump it all together. You know, there's a case to be on both yes. sides. I mean, they can't case by case basis, and that's. Right. However, the guy with the 57 DTI FHA who yeah. needs to go deposit two hundred dollars in his bank account before he closes, who had a, who had a foreclosure five years ago. <laughs> yeah, that we'll guy gets that home the same loan that the self-employed guy wants that can't that he can't get, and that's <laughs> just uh, some of the issues I think there are with with the guidelines. But again the amount of time and the amount of manpower it would take to probably 
discern everything on a case by case basis would be pretty tough. But yeah. you'd the, write a the reality a is, year. yeah, and the reality is now, especially I think any underwriter listening could agree that they don't have any power, right? These are the rules. All they can do is yeah. maybe find someone who can creatively structure an argument to FHA before the loan gets sold as to why this loan right. is okay or we did this <clears throat> conservative calculation, but it's not above and beyond the limit of the guideline. No, right? you're, you're limited by the you're guidelines. You're chained in, to the guidelines. And by and the way – FHA just tightened their guidelines. Yeah, too. everybody did. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you this. <laughs> the, 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 the value in a good loan officer is the ability – look, if a loan goes perfect, which – you know. 14% of them go absolutely perfect. The value of a good loan officer is when there is an issue and, and having the mm-hmm. acumen and the, the mindset to be able to work through the issue. There are many times where we have we think I, we have a perfect loan and all of a sudden there was a foreclosure on their credit report that popped up because they got a divorce 10 years ago mm-hmm. that we have to deal with that didn't show up on the credit report. That happens. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's the we'll figure it out mentality instead of the – Oh, shit. I'm not Which call- is yeah. okay. That's I mean, everyone's going to say, oh, shit, when, when they find it. But then it's okay. What are we going to do, right? Well, are we going to figure this out or are we going to kill yeah. this deal? Then and sometimes you have to kill the deal. Yeah. Sometimes hey, there is you do, nothing yeah. we can do. And you got to do it quick. Band-aid if off. you can't do this, this, or this, there's nothing we can do. Well, we can maybe do this. All right, let's kind of yeah. look into that, look into this. You talk to other people. I mean, <laughs> one thing that I think kind of made me successful is uh, answer shopping. People hate it. You know, people don't like to. Sal hear. doesn't take no right off the bat, dude. No, He's like, I'm gonna call. If I don't hear it from people. probably three people, I don't believe it. But Sal, you know? I, you, random people that didn't talk to each other. Right. Sal yeah. will get stuff done. Brad, Brad's really smart too. He used to be an underwriter, and Brad will be like, "Dude, there's no way you're getting that done." Sal's like, "I got it done, dude." And Brad hates it. <laughs> Sal loves it. He's like, you know, but I mean? respect the shit out of it. I hate answer shopping too. When people come to me and they already ask two other people, but. I, I tell you what, when I first started in this business, I answer shopped everything. Yeah. Every you have to. You know, I remember when I was That's uh, how you, an account executive, you shop my answers. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Well, Fuck you. Well, I got the right <laughs> answer. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm, I needed I'm, to find the answer. I'm growing my knowledge. Your base. answer was wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I did it. Added so, value to of myself. Of course, I'm going to shop your answer. And sometimes told you I was right. Hey. So let's talk about that. You know, I, I didn't take any more of your time shopping the answer. So, right. you, you know, I think that's. Uh, and you were wrong in, in the first place. Even right. as a borrower, <laughs> right. right? If a one yeah. lender tells you no, you should get a second opinion. If one For doctor sure. tells you you have some disease or whatever, you should ask someone else. Before right? you amputate your Before, Yeah, you know <laughs> for sure. And I think that's just. Uh, what we call due diligence. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it's, it's also self-improvement for, as from, from your perspective, right? You're bettering yourself. Well, yeah. Your and I figure out the answers. And next time I see someone over there scratching their hair out of their right. head because they're freaking out over a loan, it's like, hey, we can do this. Calm we can down. do that. It's going to be okay. So let's talk about that. How did, how did you get started in the business? Like what, where did you come from? And Heaven. What, what, <laughs> and what got you into mortgages? And, and I mean, obviously you've, you've had quite a bit of success in mortgages. So like you didn't just – come out of the womb knowing mortgages. So like, how did no. you get started? No, I uh, went to uh, Western and wanted to do uh, basically spreadsheets. You know, I was like, all right, man, yeah, I want to be like a corporate financial analyst or something like that. Went, got my degree. Wow. And I don't uh, see you would have lost your mind, bro. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, you know. But it's it essentially was, what he's it doing was now. The, it was the pretty job for everyone in our – in school. Right. Well, what are you going to – well, corporate finance. What is corporate finance? I I didn't even really know, right, until my friends did it and they're like, fuck, dude, I I crunch spreadsheets. I do this. We analyze. So essentially that uh, switched up into um, a job fair and I went and someone was there from Quicken 
and hey, you know, it, apply whatever I applied and uh, went and saw the office and was blown away. I was like, this is awesome. You know, yeah, yeah. My salary's eighteen grand, but whatever. There's upside, and mm-hmm. went there and did that, and then uh, <laughs> hated it. Left. And I, was like, Fuck this. I never want to write a mortgage again. I did recruiting for a little bit. Then uh, a friend got me in at UWM and uh, United Wholesale the, Mortgage. Yeah, United Wholesale, and I kind of learned the business from the back end, which was great. And uh, that's where I met Sal, by the way. Kind of gained the knowledge to become my own broker. Yeah. Right. So my cousin set me up with my own shop. Uh, I did that for a little bit, and then we went to uh, another company, and then from there, yeah, we all kind of decided to come together and do our own thing. Yeah, just real quick, when when the first time so I that's saw Sal, eight years of, you know, nutshelled into half a minute. First time I met Sal, I sat right next to him, and I, pull, I would say I pull up next to him, and I'm like, God, who's this guy, man? He's just look at look at this chotch, which is, which is funny because he was thinking the same thing about me. <laughs> and I, yeah. like, you look I, like the kid from Jumanji. Yeah, and I was like. Yeah, who is this guy? Yeah, you were Quag, a lot lighter Quagmire. than you, buddy. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so, but no, we ended up like creating a really good friendship, man. And I realized something about Sal. Sal was a perfect. He like he had to know the answer. He didn't just want to be told the answer. He had to know the answer. So he would dig in, and he became a really good account executive for his people like us, our brokers, because he gave them the right answer. He he prided himself on giving them the right answer, not just yeah. the fluff. Whereas I probably got away more with just fluffing people around. Like I was just like, I don't feel like dealing with it. Well, the, he, he went after it. The value of having people around you is being able to bounce things off of them, things like yep. that. So us, we don't – no offense, Rocky. We don't call our AE <laughs> for answers. We often. love Rocky. We do. We do ask him questions and whatnot. But often within our four walls, we've – we can find the answer out, right? Because yeah. nope. we've all yeah. been through it or done it. So a lot of these brokers, especially like one-man shops, are like – they I don't, don't know. know. Yeah, they're calling their friends who may not know. So Message to boards. have a good AE, and again, like when we don't know something, we ask Rocky. He figures it out. He probably shops the answer himself and comes back and gives us For the answer. Sure he does. Yeah, he has he, to. He gives us. Yeah, he should. He should. Yeah, yeah. So we are at the point of the show where we are doing three questions. So <laughs> we got to. got to be different ones though. Yeah. Well, the, you want to do totally different. <laughs> totally different. They can't totally be. Different. Yeah. Okay. So he's probably already answered <clears throat> in his head a million times. All right. Yeah. True. Okay. Well. we'll okay. We'll start. If you could own. One car today, what would it be and why? Man, that's pretty tough. Sal loves cars, by the way, people. Yeah. I don't know. Cars watch some food. If you could ro- walk out, <laughs> if you could walk out of these doors right now and have one car waiting for you, what would it be? Um, that's tough. Like you know, like something I could drive daily, you know, or just, just one car in general. Just one car out these doors right now. What would it be? Um, I'm going to repeat it again. No, no probably an <laughs> Aventador, man. It's just such oh, what, a bad Aventador, boy. really? Yeah. Wow. Sounds like a dinosaur. Brad has no idea what you're talking about. It sounds like a dinosaur. <laughs> it's like a, a bad boy. And can you I explain mean, what I think that one day it's going it to be like the only like recently classic Lamborghini. I mean, you know, yeah. Wow. Just yeah. the design style and it's big V12. It's just a, it's a monster. Yeah. That's a pretty sick car. Okay. Yeah. All right. If you were on death row. Oh, okay. whoa, whoa. Well, I mean, he loves death. He okay. Really about it. So like, if you were on death row, Jesus you get to have, you get to plan your last meal, right? Mm-hmm. Anything you wanted, anything, what would it be? Ooh, Sal loves food too, man. We're getting hard questions. I feel questions. like I know the answer yeah. to this. Yeah. yeah. We're getting hard questions um, right now because he loves food and he loves cars. Yeah, these are tough ones. I'd yeah. probably get a uh, a nice ribeye with like a Kona rub on it, uh, shallot butter, 
poured over it. This is like porn. A side of lobster <laughs> mac and cheese. Oh. And then a big plate of wings from the Rock on Third. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh those are happy. By the way, the Rock on Third. Shout out Jameson. If, yeah. If, if nobody knows, it's such a good secret. Like, Rock on Third has the best wings. The best wings. The best wings. Yes. The yeah. Yeah. They have the best wings. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, last question. If you could own a second home and have a second place of residence anywhere in the world, where would it be? It's tough, you know. Uh, it's nice to look at uh, online or picture books or whatever, and picture books. But <laughs> picture uh, it, it's books. nice, yeah. <laughs> it's nice to look at, you know, things like that. And but I've never been to a lot of those places, so I don't know. I, judging from a, a place I've been, I think it'd be cool to have like a a penthouse in Manhattan. No, you know, yeah, I think that'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be sick. That'd be sick. I am gonna ask you what scares you. I do want to know. Like we spiders, know- man. Oh yeah, <coughs> fuck yeah! Fucking hate that. spiders, dude. Sal used to have a boat, uh, and we would have to go. <laughs> yeah, and, like, you used to have a boat. You sold it. Yeah, yeah. So we had to go and like uh, unroll the, 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 the windows and pull yeah, them off. It's pretty and, tough stuff, bro. There were like monsters, hordes of spiders, and dude, I hate spiders probably almost as much Water as him, probably more, more than him, because I was screaming like yeah. a little. No, he hates them more. I, I kind of got used to him a little. I mean, listen, I, I like, could bro. see him. I can be within vicinity, but not arm's length. I don't <laughs> like him. Right, dude, and I've spiders are cool until they're, they're coming at you. These, these things were like the size of your, my hand, dude. It was there were spiders horrible. and uh, ghosts. <laughs> you scared of ghosts? I mean, are you uh, scared of the dark? Not like real sc- no, no. But sometimes you know you're laying there in bed and like you expect to open your eyes and there's like a just a a dude, a ghost in the corner, <laughs> or something like that. Like you get your mind thinking at night, right? You watch scary movies? Probably scary not. Movies? I mean, maybe after you watch a scary movie. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm afraid of ghosts. Like, I think about a ghost <laughs> yes. in my house all the time or, or yeah. believe in ghosts in my house. But uh, I don't know. Like, things like that, you know? Yeah. That, that'll freak you out. So, Do you believe in ghosts, Sal? No. Do you you don't in believe in them, but you're scared of them. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? I, I don't know. I mean, do you do you believe in, you know, the uh, aliens or, you know, crazy things like that? Probably not. However, I would be afraid of getting abducted. I, you would be afraid if you look through your window and an alien is watching you sleep. <laughs> like those thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> but I, th- I think a lot when yeah. I'm laying down and sleeping. Yeah. Whether it's that or loans or whatever. Sal, I, it's, this has been a good show. There's so much about mortgages that we could talk about. Your knowledge is really vast in this subject. You've done a really good job creating a name for yourself in the business. Kudos to you. I'm, I'm very proud to be your partner, dude. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. So that is our show today. Uh, Jessica, thank you for doing what you do. My pleasure. Yeah. You're, I don't think your mic was on. Can you do that again? Yeah, it was really loud. There we go. <laughs> um, so obviously, you guys can find us anywhere, irepodcast.com, Facebook, Stitcher, Twitter, Twitter, everywhere, right? No. Okay. Uh, thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful day. We will see you next week. Hopefully, we added some value. You've been listening to Inside Real Estate, the nation's top real estate podcast. Don't forget to follow us at irepodcast.com and everywhere where podcasts are available. 